Welcome to the I Don't Think So podcast with your host, Melanie Mitchell Epp, a successful author, speaker, mentor, and coach. Melanie is an expert in helping people leave behind the why me mentality to take control of their life. Not only is her story of victory inspiring, but she knows how to empower others to find victory in their own lives. Now, here is your host, author of I Don't Think So, and the creator of the I Don't Think So Bootcamp, Melanie Mitchell Epp. Welcome to episode six of the I Don't Think So podcast. My name is Melanie Mitchell Epp, and I'm your host, and I'm excited today to be talking to you about the topic of overcoming rejection. It's based on chapter 14 of my book, I Don't Think So, and I am passionate about it because rejection has been one of the greatest robbers in my life, and it's something that I've overcome, that I've found freedom from, but it hijacked me in such a deep way, and I'm passionate about helping people find freedom when they've been hijacked by rejection. I was born rejected. Nobody had met me yet, but I was unplanned and unexpected. And when they discovered that I existed, again, not having met me, not knowing if I was a girl, not knowing if I was a boy, not knowing what my name was, not knowing anything about me, there was death words spoken over me, words of abandonment, words of abortion, words of me being given up for adoption. And so I was just born with a sense of rejection. And I might have been too young to hear, but I wasn't too young to feel the vibration of what was being spoken. And nobody was celebrating me. Nobody was celebrating me. And yet the truth is, it wasn't about me at all. I hadn't done anything. I had no choice in the matter. All of the negativity that I was feeling, all of the rejection spoken over me was coming out of a sense of shame and a sense of guilt and fear about what people would think. And it was coming out of anger and fear and disappointment. But the result was that I was born with a strong sense of being undesirable and unacceptable. And it's one thing to have that feeling because we can all experience rejection at one time or another in our lives, but it's another thing to actually take rejection right into our identity. And that's what I did. It was a part of who I was. I was born rejected. I came into this world rejected and I carried that rejection with me into my 30s. So what is rejection? Well, there's all kinds of situations where somebody rejects us or something that we do or something about us, something they don't like about us. And that in and of itself is an experience, but more often rejection in the form of a hijacking is a way of thinking or a perception of self. We think that there's something not acceptable about us. We think we're rejected. We think we don't fit in. We think we're not acceptable. And it's feelings-based. We perceive it so we feel it, whether it's happening or not. We can 
produce the emotion of rejection, even if that rejection is imagined. And I, I know this for a fact, if rejection has become your identity, while I know that there are times you are experiencing rejection, I know there's times that you're imagining it because I've lived it. I've lived it firsthand. And so much of the rejection that used to just plague me, that would torment me, that hijacked me, I don't even give it a second thought anymore because when I changed my thinking, I got free from it. And so that's how I know that it happens in our minds far more than it actually happens in our actual experience. And I'm not denying the fact that some of you actually have had rejection and maybe even had significantly traumatic rejection, just like I did. I know that it happens, but it's the identity that comes out of those traumatic experiences that causes us then to find rejection in everything. Once we believe we're rejected, that will continue to be our prevailing experience. Rejection is inward and self-focused. It makes everything about me. I evaluate everything in relationship to myself. Every person's behavior is about me. Every person's facial expression is about me. If I'm not invited, it's about me. If someone doesn't talk to me, it's about me. If someone doesn't text me back, it's about me. And rejection seems to be looking for acceptance all the time, but the reality is it's looking for evidence of its own existence. And this is how this works. When, when you have an identity of rejection and you go into a room full of people, you will not see the friendly faces, but you will zero in as fast as can be on the person that looks like they're scowling at you or is looking at you sideways and you'll think, what did I do to them? Or why aren't they happy with me? It's what rejection does. It looks for proof of its own existence. I know I've done it over and over and over again. And when I got free from that identity, guess what? I was free to see the people that were excited to see me, that did want relationship with me, it opened up a completely new experience. There are many reasons for rejection, but often rejection begins with our parents. We can be born in a time of stress. We can be born to a single mom. We can be a disappointment to someone that wasn't expecting us. We can be born into high performance demanding parents. We can be born into an abusive environment. We can become the black sheep of the family. We can be a child of divorce that took that that breakup personally, took it as our fault. We can feel like we're too poor or too rich. We're too fat. We're too skinny. We're too short. We're too tall. Uh, We can be rejected or feel rejected because we've been dumped or divorced or fired or mocked. And even though there was a valid point of experience, it requires us to believe something untrue to open the door to constant access by rejection. If you're hearing my voice, I just encourage you 
to really open your heart to what I'm saying because rejection does not like to hear this message. Rejection wants to tell you that I don't know what I'm talking about. Rejection creates this fortress that wants to protect itself all the time, but it all it does is keep you in constant rejection instead of the occasional healthy, well, not healthy, but the occasional rejection that if you're healthy, you can navigate your way through. And so rejection does happen, but the dangers in our response. Two people can have the identical experience and one can take it as not a big deal and just walk right through it. And the other person can be absolutely devastated by it. The moment that we believe we are rejected, it moves from an experience to our identity. And rejection really was part of my identity. When I was in my early 30s, I started a new job. And a couple of months into the job, there was a women's conference being held where I worked. And mid-afternoon, I thought, I should go down and register. I know the registration table will be open so I can skip the big lineup for this evening. I just headed down to do that, not thinking much about it. And as I came around the corner into this atmosphere of celebration, it was beautifully decorated and there was lots of women in the hallway waiting to get their registration packages. People were talking and laughing and rejection hit me full force. And it came like this voice in my mind. Who do you think you are? I can't even believe that you are here and all these women are here thinking there's something here for them. You should be ashamed of yourself. And that was rejection talking full force to me. And it took everything in me just to square my shoulders and continue on to the registration table. I really wanted just to turn and run and not come back. And I'm just, I'm excited to be able to talk about this because I know there's people listening to me that feel the same way. And maybe you do run and not come back. Maybe there's places that you avoid because rejection has been such a painful part of your life. And I want you to know it doesn't have to stay that way. Rejection causes us to think for both parties. We think for ourselves, but we think for the other person we're interacting with also. We interpret their actions, their facial expressions, what they say, what they don't say. We think for them. And perceived rejection is much more damaging than real rejection because it's all in our minds and we're getting it. We're experiencing the pain of it, whether it's happening or not. I spent so much of my life getting exactly what I believed. I would try to love or include or be friends with people. <clears throat> I spent so much of my life getting exactly what I believed. And if you've ever tried to love or include or be friends with a rejected person, you know that they can't receive. It was so hard for me to receive anything. I was always trying to be the provider or be the one not needing anything so that it protected me from being rejected. One time I was so overwhelmed with having a 
a toddler and trying to get ready to go on vacation and I talked to one of my friends and I was telling her how I was feeling and she came over to help me and I was almost turning inside out. I was be I was so afraid of her rejecting me if I actually let her help me that it took everything in me to even let her in the door. I finally let her do the dishes for me. I just couldn't receive help. And it's it's what happens. And I also lost a lot of good relationships because if I determined that someone was rejecting me, then I would just exit the relationship and not even give them a chance to continue it. When you have an identity of rejection, you're sensitive to boundaries. Boundaries aren't just where one person ends or what matters to them. It's a personal assault against you. It says something's wrong with you. And when you have an identity of rejection, you will often avoid circumstances where you will be vulnerable. You want to protect yourself. So you try to control everything so that you can't be rejected. I used perfectionism to protect myself. I used rules to protect myself. If I follow all the rules, no one can reject me. If I'm perfect, no one can reject me. Another thing I did was found my identity in my work or in roles I had. If I could find a way to succeed, it made me feel safe. And yet the reality was I was living in the pain of rejection all the time. And so how do we get free from something that seems to have such a powerful hold from something that seems so destructive and seems so real? Well, it came for me in a revelation of a scripture. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, talking about Jesus, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, Jesus was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. He endured the worry and the grief that comes from rejection. Jesus himself, the only perfect person that ever lived, knows what it's like to be despised and rejected by men. He experienced that sorrow. He experienced that grief. Everything that I felt when I was in my mother's womb, every word of death that was spoken over me, he knew that personally. And when I realized that he already had felt all of those things, gone through all of those experiences on my behalf, I knew that I didn't have to be rejected anymore. And I just actually kind of laughed at myself thinking, well, if he was perfect and if he couldn't avoid it, what makes me think that I can't avoid it? I was released knowing that he had already carried rejection for me in his body, in his heart. When it says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, why should I be sorrowing? Why should I be grieving if he already did it? It doesn't matter who wanted me. It doesn't matter who wanted you. God is the one who gave us life. Psalm 129 verse 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And so 
what right does someone have to speak death over us? What right does someone have to say our life should be ended? What right does someone have to have to reject us when God himself saw us before we were born? When God recorded every day of our lives in his book, when he laid out every moment before a single day had even passed. People can have their opinions. People can reject us, but they can't take away our value. They can't take away the fact that it was God that gave us life. I so hope that my words have brought hope to you, that they've brought some feeling of separation, that this being wrapped in a sense of rejection doesn't have to be your life story. If rejection has held you captive, there's more in my book that can help you or in my boot camp if you want a more focused interactive experience, if you want to fast track your way to freedom, you walk out of the lie in your mind and then you begin to act in freedom. I really just encourage you to check out these resources as you decide to take back control of your life from the power of rejection. Thank you so much for joining me today. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about something that most of us know we're supposed to do, but we don't even really understand what it is. And we stay in pain and we stay trapped because we don't know how to do it. It's one of the most vital components of living in freedom. It's called forgiveness. I really hope you'll join me. If this podcast is meaningful to you, I encourage you to share it with someone that you think might benefit from it. I want my message to go as far as it can. I want every person today that's looking for answers, looking for freedom from captivity or pain to be able to have access to the resources that are available. And so that's why I ask you to share. I look forward to sharing with you on the next episode. Thank you for listening and spending time with us today on the I Don't Think So podcast. If you receive value from this show, I encourage you to listen to all eight episodes and then share them with your friends. And if you're ready for change, I encourage you to take action now. Visit Melanie's website at melaniemitchellapp.com to order her book or to sign up and get instant access to the I Don't Think So Bootcamp so you can begin to change your story today.